If you want peace, prepare for war. This is Parabellum, a Cyberbit podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this webinar, uh, Building the Cyber Degree Program of the Future, hosted by Cyberbit and Miami-Dade uh, College. Uh, my name is Sharon. I'm the VP Marketing uh, at Cyberbit, and you'll uh, meet our host very, very shortly. I would like to start uh, by talking about the agenda. So uh, we will start by talking generally about the challenge uh, these days in cybersecurity training. Uh, we will move forward to the opportunity. Uh, the challenge obviously creates an opportunity for higher education, and so we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, we will talk about uh, the concept of building a cybersecurity degree uh, program initially uh, by Cyberbit at a, at a higher level, uh, and then uh, a case study presented by Frank Martinez uh, from Miami-Dade College about their own experience in building their cyber degree and workforce development program using a cyber range. Uh, we will end uh, with Q&A. We will also break the webinar uh, with a quick poll for you to answer. We will address all your questions at the end uh, of the webinar. Each panelist will address according to uh, that question. Uh, so I encourage you uh, to do that. And we have our uh, two presenters. Uh, I will let uh, them present themselves. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining. My name is Susan Green. I am the regional director based in Boston, and I have roughly around, depending upon what date is, 20 to 25 years of the world in the world of higher education. And I appreciate you all joining today. Thank you. Uh, hello, everyone. Frank, My name is Frank Martinez. I'm an IT security analyst for Miami-Dade College. I also have a about 11 years of experience as an IT certification trainer and uh, looking forward to talking to you about our experience building a cybersecurity curriculum here at the college. Thank you. I'd like to thank our hosts uh, once again. A word about Cyberbit, and you'll hear also about uh, Miami Day's activity later on. Uh, Cyberbit uh, is a cybersecurity company founded uh, in mid-2015 as a spin-off of a NASDAQ-traded uh, leading defense contractor called Elbit Systems. Uh, we offer a portfolio of several cybersecurity products that include a cyber range, uh, as well as security orchestration, critical infrastructure security, and additional products. Uh, we employ roughly 250 people spread across the world. Our headquarters are in Israel. We have a head office in, also in New York, offices in Europe, uh, Asia, uh, and again, the headquarters in Israel. Uh, I will now hand over to Susan to continue. Thank you. Alrighty. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit today about just cybersecurity and how there's a tremendous opportunity for higher education. And if we back up and we look at just today's landscape, many of today's academic leaders uh, came to age when the message to students was really sink or swim. They sat in large um, impersonal lectures, skimmed catalogs, uh, waited in long lines at the registrar's office, and those were kind of the staples of the college experience. Academic rigor was measured part by the number of students who flunked, typically in courses served as gateways to a major. So success or failure really was a reflection at that point in time on you and not on the institution. I think today times have changed and the system now is really looking to the higher education institution to ensure that students will be successful. It is a very expensive proposition today for students to go ahead and uh, obtain a higher education degree. And with cybersecurity, 
uh, it's a great opportunity for students to become sought, to continue to become sought after in the world of cybersecurity, where there are so many open positions across the world for cybersecurity specialists. So, as I mentioned, um, there's quite a quite of a lot of information out there in terms of critical shortages in the cybersecurity profession. There are roughly around 301,000 open positions, and the median salary is about $89,000 just for an entry-level analyst. So if you think about just a return on investment from a student that is graduating from a, an institution, um, knowing that they could obtain $89,000 for an entry-level salary, I think is pretty compelling. And then if you step back and you look at just from a global standpoint of view, 3.5 million global unfilled cybersecurity jobs are expected by 2021, with the U.S. on pace to hit a half a million or more of those cybersecurity positions by 2021, which is uh, incredible. And then as we talk to employers about their requirements for employing uh, security operations specialists, their number one challenge continues to be lack of skilled staff. And they realize, too, that at the end of the day, when there is a breach or a security uh, concern, that brand recognition can be uh, damaged and there can be an awful lot of revenue associated with cyber breaching. So they want to ensure that their, their staff is qualified to handle uh, cybersecurity as we know it today. So cybersecurity education and training is really not delivering the goods. Bottom line is it's today students obtain cybersecurity education by way of theory and book work, and they really don't have the practical experience to be able to be competent or confident um, as they go out and uh, obtain a position in the world of cybersecurity. It's almost analogous to, you know, you want to become a brain surgeon, you go to college for four years, um, you've seen PowerPoints, you've seen um, book work, but you've never really conducted surgery. How effective, effective and efficient would you be um, without really having the practical experience? So with, um, with cybersecurity, there are alternatives uh, for graduates to become more proficient. And um, again, most employers claim that hands-on and technical experience is, is very lacking. And formal cybersecurity education is, I, I think there's a huge opportunity here today to really move the needle on educating students of today's generation. So technology has really become an integral part of the college class. Professors are introducing innovations like flipped classrooms, active learning, and adaptive courseware to engage students and help them learn. Even colleges without resources to spare are trying to encourage experimentation among faculty members and provide sufficient hands-on training to support and to expand student capability. And for, stu for cyber students, techniques driven by technology or pedagogy show really signs of helping students from an engagement perspective, um, retention perspective, and again, to be really qualified um, as they go out into the workforce. So the opportunities of hands-on cyber programs from a, the lens of a higher education institution is they can become the hub for workforce development cyber degree programs, certification programs, schools, camps. There's a, a huge gap, I believe, in K through 12 where there are many um, schools that are trying to encourage specifically STEM students to start thinking about cybersecurity as a career choice. 
So there's a lot of opportunity from a hands-on cyber program perspective to include non-academic programs and research as well. We see a lot of institutions today applying for grants to help them from a funding perspective to fund various resources to launch a better cybersecurity program. So building the foundation of your program, there's a couple of ways that you can approach this, uh, utilizing hands-on skills. We've seen a lot of folks doing that, um, continuing to leverage off of theoretical courses, and then working with the various security products that one would traditionally see um, in an enterprise or in a, a corporation or within a public safety uh, entity, for example. This slide here actually is an example of a cyber range, and you'll see that there is a classroom to the right, or actually to the left, to the right, and then there's an instructor room. Um, and you'll notice that there's a, a scenario emulator, and this actually is a, a real example of a cyber range that is in the United States today, and a very uh, a successful range at that. So as we talk to various higher education institutions, in uh, enterprise organizations, they very much um, would love to see um, different types of capabilities for the various teams that they are either educating or training. So folks to become more proficient with malware analysis, pen testing, forensics, uh, industrial con control systems, that's a big, big key care about today, protecting power grids and waterways, et cetera, et cetera. So folks are really today looking at ways to become from the lens of a student more knowledgeable with all of these types of um, roles and certificates. In addition, we've heard that it's really important for higher education institutions and enterprises to have the ability to integrate into a learning management platform so that they can um, track the performance, time on task, et cetera, for their students. This slide here talks a little bit about a, a master's degree program. This just gives you a sample of a two-year master's program, um, and it just shows you the various skills that could be acquired, everything from testing network security to discovering vulnerabilities, leading forensic investigations of cyber breaches, aligning network security practices, et cetera. And then this slide here shows you just another uh, sample of a master's degree program with a, a two-year program and covering everything from digital forensics to information security management to, to AI, applied cryptography, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we start to see more institutions be offering different uh, flavors of a master's degree program with different types of competencies. So now as you think about the various networks and scenarios that exist out there, it's really important to realize that every network that you encounter is very different. Every organization has a different set of uh, security tools to protect their environment. However, they really need to be able to protect um, today's threats uh, and tomorrow's threats that have yet to be determined. And there are platforms out there that will help uh, institutions and enterprises to uh, protect against Trojans, data leakage, uh, ransomware, ransomware, et cetera. And um, it's really important to understand that the breach landscape changes day to day. Um, in that uh, you want to be sure that your students and that your learners are capable of addressing uh, the threats of today, tomorrow, and beyond. Um, this slide here really just shows you just how 
uh, a platform potentially could set up for student assessment and auto tracking. It's really important, again, to be able to uh, track time on task, to be able to go back to a particular point in time and see how a learner or a student has done in a particular session, um, being able to record, being able to integrate into a learning management platform is also something that is very, very important today because uh, less automation is always a better thing. Um, and then in terms of cyber degree programs, this is an opportunity really for a higher education institution to really reposition their institution from the lens of a student, offering the best cybersecurity program out there, attracting the best and brightest, improving student engagement and success, and then from an employer lens, being able to employ graduates that are successful as they hit the ground on day one and that are prepared with hands-on experience and then within the industry and then in addition uh, working on uh, grants to be able to fund um, different initiatives. Um, we also see an awful lot of uh, interest in repurposing um, talent. So someone may have been phased out of a position say for example as an IT manager and now they want to go ahead and go back and get additional education uh, for cybersecurity, so we see a lot of that as well. So I think, uh, Sharon, you have a poll? Question is, uh, are you considering cyber range for your degree program uh, with four possible uh, answers? Uh, and uh, I will give you a minute to reply, and I will, of course, share their answers with you so you can learn a little about what your peers are actually uh, thinking about recently. Only 5% of you are now offering a cyber range for your degree program, 57 percent of you are evaluating the option. 22% of you are actually planning to open one before the end of 2019, i.e. in the next, uh, I would say, 15 months. Uh, and uh, only 17% uh, are not considering the option. So definitely everybody, and again, we are really, this audience is primarily higher education uh, professionals and leaders. 83% of you are considering to innovate uh, and ramp up your uh, cybersecurity degree program with a cyber range. So definitely looks like everybody's in a, in a good, heading in the right direction. Frank, I'm going to hand over the presentation uh, to you. All right. Thanks very much, uh, Sharon and Susan. Uh, really good information. Uh, for my portion, I'm obviously going to be talking about uh, the specific experience that we've had at Miami-Dade College in designing and selecting and now building our uh, Cybersecurity Center of the Americas, which is the actual name of the facility and the program in general that we've put together, and give you a little bit of insight into where we are in the process. It is still uh, early in the process for us, but you get sort of a sneak peek into the, uh, the life cycle as we've seen it thus far. So uh, just a little bit about the institution. Uh, Miami-Dade College is... Uh, the college with the largest undergraduate enrollment in the country. We are primarily a uh, two and four year degree institution. We do not uh, do anything uh, graduate level or above. Uh, we do have more associate degrees uh, than any other college in the country in terms of the number of degrees we confer. We uh, have higher minority uh, student enrollment than any other college in the U.S. as well. Um, and of course, as uh, has been sort of mentioned all throughout the presentation thus far, we did recently open the uh, most advanced cyber range in Florida, the Cybersecurity Center of the Americas, as uh, the official name is. Uh, we are primarily a commuter school, so we don't really have uh, on-campus housing. We are, uh, you know, we are one of the group that evolved out of the uh, the community college name that uh, was in use in Florida up until about ten years ago, when uh, 
we all of the schools in the all of the colleges in the state uh, were then allowed to start offering four-year degrees. So previously we were two-year degrees only, sort of the junior college slash community college style of institution. We've since all uh, started to offer four-year degrees, and Miami-Dade College in particular offers more four-year degrees uh, than any of the other colleges as opposed to universities in the state among the public institutions. So here we have uh, some images of the actual physical space. Uh, so the image that you have on the left side of the screen there is an actual screenshot of uh, a snapshot rather of the cyber range facility itself. So we have uh, the room set up with seating for 25 students plus uh, two instructor stations all the way up at the front of the room. Uh, we have the various displays across the top. The uh, two displays that you see on either side of the middle are actually uh, interactive touchscreen displays, so we can sort of use them as uh, smart boards, if you will. We have the large uh, screen in the middle, which is the actual display for the main projector. And then all the other displays across the top, uh, we can actually dynamically assign different uh, outputs to each of those. So we could use them from different sources or what the sort of preferred mechanism is for our existing uh, cyber range configuration is to have some of the different tools dedicated as a full screen display for each one of those screens across the top. On the right side, you see some of the team from Cyberbit, as well as a lot of the uh, team from the college uh, participating in our ribbon cutting ceremony. This was just a couple of months ago in August. So again, it is a very new uh, component of the college, but uh, certainly something that we are focusing a great deal of attention on in order to grow the college's presence as a hub of cybersecurity in South Florida and throughout the Southeast United States region. As far as the uh, reasoning behind uh, starting the Cybersecurity Center of the Americas, why we wanted to adopt a cyber range in particular, <clears throat> as I mentioned at the top, uh, my own experience, uh, while I am a, an IT security analyst for the college, so I do actually function within the IT operations of the institution. Uh, I also have a background as an IT certification trainer uh, for over 10 years in the South Florida area. Um, so I have a great deal of background in terms of what the sort of standard, uh, the status quo of uh, IT credentials has been for quite some time in the industry, which is, of course, different vendor-specific certifications. Uh, some of them are a little broader than others. Some are vendor agnostic, and they're just sort of informational certifications. They have various different levels of recognition. They have various different appeal to different organizations based on which products they use and what type of skill set they're looking for. But the general concern that we are aware of uh, and had in mind as we were developing this idea of the cybersecurity center is that we have a very large talent gap. And as we have indicated here, it's a 13,000 open position gap in the state of Florida specifically at present. And from talking to a lot of the local partners that we have, businesses that are in the South Florida region from you know, Palm Beach uh, at the sort of northern end of the, the area that we serve, um, not in terms of enrolling students, but in terms of where our students actually end up going to work, all the way down through the Florida Keys, uh, you know, a lot of the students who graduate from our various programs at the college end up working in this general geographic region. Within that context, from conversations we had with IT and IT security leadership from local banks, local hospitals, uh, large local enterprises of all sorts, 
we certainly did pick up on their concerns, as I'm sure many of you are aware and, and any of us who work in the IT security field are familiar with. There is a general lack of the cybersecurity skill set, particularly when it comes to hands-on knowledge. And in combination with the fact that the IT field itself has become quite diversified, you know, many of uh, the faculty that we have here at the college, for example, who have been in IT education for decades at this point, and essentially uh, were around from the dawn of IT and personal computing, um, you know, their backgrounds from a formal academic education perspective are pretty much just computer science. Because if you go back to the point where they began their careers, that's all there was to study. Now we face an environment where we have a lot of stratification in IT. So yes, the computer science skill set is still a value, but has now become one particular niche in a much broader, much richer diversity of niches. So you have your IT person who is going to work with specific systems and is very sort of uh, user interface, graphical user interface oriented versus a computer science person who may actually write code versus a networking person who may actually only deal with a command line interface, but for network devices and network architectures. And of course, as a kind of uh, back end to all of this, we have cybersecurity, where for every one of those other niche areas, there's always some element of security. And while idealistically, we always talk about how uh, cybersecurity is something that everyone in every niche should be concerned with, the reality of the IT industry is everyone's going to focus on making their particular slice of the technology pie work properly. Whether it works securely is typically an afterthought. So having a person who has the skill set to understand, identify, and be able to address security concerns across the various other niches of the technology field is a skill set that's sorely needed, but also sorely lacking. Again, we uh, spoke quite a bit and continue to speak regularly with uh, IT leaders from throughout the South Florida region. And from these conversations, a repetitive set of points seem to emerge. Uh, first off, that there are simply not enough people available to do the work. And there are a number of factors that affect that, uh, you know, cost of living and the corresponding levels of compensation in the South Florida region being an element that affects all industries uh, is, of course, a factor here as well. Um, the fact that that small pool of qualified individuals is therefore then at a very high demand becomes very easy for a person who has the appropriate skill set and the appropriate experience to move fairly easily from one organization to another, you know, motivated by whatever might motivate them, whether it's simply just compensation or as often tends to be the case with skilled cybersecurity personnel, there's also the element of wanting to do something that is engaging and challenging. Uh, it's, you know, it's unfortunately very easy to find oneself in a position within cybersecurity where, yes, your compensation may be good or great, but the nature of the work you're doing day in and day out just becomes so repetitive and so dreary and the availability of other opportunities at other organizations that offer new or different challenges with equal or greater compensation is so widely available that there's not that much incentive to stick around once things get really boring. You also have, of course, the lack of qualified candidates. That's always a huge issue in any of the niches of the technology field. When it comes to qualified candidates in IT security, there's always the point that you don't just want someone who has purely academic credentials. You want someone who also has the experience, someone who has 
not only the ability to describe, for example, what a ransomware attack is, or might be able to tell you about different ransomware attacks that have occurred in the past and who they hit and how bad the outcome was, it would be great. And that is, again, one of the, the common points of feedback that we hear from talking to IT security leaders across different industries in the region. They'd really like to have someone on their team who has actually lived through one of these attacks, who has seen a locky ransomware hit their own system that they were in charge of defending so that they'll know that they lived through having to identify that it was happening, having to leverage whatever assets they had available to diagnose the extent of the incident, try and remediate and be able to do all of the postmortem analysis to provide information on how it got in, uh, what could have been done better to prevent if possible, if not, what could what could have been better uh, done better to contain, uh, and you know lessons learned for the future. All of the elements that we all encounter uh, as we work in IT security that we sort of know at a very internal level uh, that we would like to be better at ourselves and that we'd like to be surrounded by people who are better at as well. Those are the skill sets that everyone would like to see in a candidate during an interview. And one of the common uh, responses that we'd get as we talk to all these IT security leaders from across different industries, healthcare, banking, et cetera, there are plenty of people who have certifications. There are plenty of people who can talk about IT security in a very intelligent fashion. But once you get down into questions about, well, how, what have you actually encountered? What have you endured? You know, some people think that it's great to say, oh, well, I've, I've never actually suffered an attack. That may sound good and perhaps even more so to people in other positions, you know, finance positions and things like that. But when you are going to be charged with the responsibility of defending an institution, an organization, and a technology ecosystem from attacks, the more valuable skill set is to know that you've already been through some of them and you've survived them and you have the experience of knowing how you survived and what it took to do so and the lessons learned of what you can probably work on doing better for the next time. Because, and I was actually just reading earlier this morning, the research shows most CISOs, most security personnel in the technology field have adopted the mindset that it is never anymore a question of whether or not you're going to be attacked. It is a question of when you will be attacked. And then you can get into all of the other sort of subtleties of, well, at what point do you discover that you're being attacked and how do you remediate from the attack and how long does it take you to recover and so on. All of those are skill sets that we knew we wanted to build into the graduates from the program that we were creating. So our goals, as I was just mentioning, we want our graduates to have skills that are desirable to organizations that are in need of security personnel as soon as they leave the program. One of the typical points that we keep hearing about as a broader observation about computer science programs in general, but also as a specific observation about people who either want to work in IT security and don't have any credentials in that specialization, or people who have worked in IT in other specializations and may even have a certification in IT security, but don't really have any direct hands-on experience. That's the gap that everyone wants to fill, and that's the gap we wanted to aim to fill in developing our program. So that immediate value to employers, someone who is attractive as a hireable person, even though they've just come out of an academic program, building the academic program so that it will include hands-on activity and direct information and experience drawn from the real world of IT security with real attacks that are pulled from the wild 
actual code from malware that people are encountering out on the internet being built into the curriculum that these students will have to go through as they complete the program and being able to take some of the outcome of their work with them, which is another one of the benefits specifically of the CyberBit platform, where as a student goes through the actual scenarios, they will be able to receive a recording of their work in the scenario. They'll be able to show, you know, not only am I saying to you that I completed this program, not only do I have the degree certificate or credential that says that I completed the program, here's a recording of what I did in that particular scenario. This was me working the firewall. This was me working the sim. That is the key differentiator from our discussions with a lot of the IT security leadership in different industries that made this particular platform very interesting to them. So as far as the cyber ranges relationship with the broader program we're building, obviously we are still a traditional academic program. So we do need to ensure that the graduates of our program have the academic knowledge, the sort of traditional theory that uh, they would need in order to provide a, a well-rounded, well-informed IT professional. But we also, again, want to supplement with the unique exercises that are provided by the CyberBit CyberRange platform and make sure that it's sort of a, a cohesive, complementary relationship between the theory that they're learning in one set of classes during their classroom lecture and during their you know, sort of traditional textbook-based learning process, and then complement that with a scenario where they will actually encounter the things that they read about. And again, speaking to the flexibility of the CyberBit platform, the fact that we have a variety of scenarios available to us, and even within that, some scenarios can be made more difficult or less difficult according to need. The ability to tailor those scenarios and have them complement in the most effective way possible so that as a student enters the early phase of the cybersecurity portion of their curriculum, they'll be able to get the academic theory that explains the basic concept, and then we can present them with a cyber range scenario that itself is sort of toned down from sort of a worst case scenario. So, you know, a more simplistic uh, network incident, for example, where they'll be able to use their more basic knowledge of how a firewall works, how a SIM works, to detect that something has occurred and to investigate what the occurrence was, determine the extent of the damage, determine the appropriate remediation path, execute the remediation, and then complete their post-mortem or after-action uh, report as needed. As the student progresses through the actual cyber range curriculum, or rather the curriculum built around the cyber range, we can likewise increase the difficulty. So we have all the way up to advanced cyber range exercises, including reverse engineering of executable code, where a student truly has to demonstrate that they have a mastery of not only the ability to use one tool to perform one task, for example, to notice that there has been some kind of a network anomaly because of what the firewall says, but demonstrate that they can leverage their knowledge of the way a firewall works, combine that with the knowledge of how a SIM works, combine that with the knowledge of how a uh, you know a network monitoring tool works or how uh, an intrusion prevention system works. Put all of those skill sets together and provide a cohesive, comprehensive example of how they apply their skills in the detection, remediation, eventually prevention as well, and lessons learned, sort of post-mortem analysis, uh, as I tend to call it, after an incident has occurred, being able to demonstrate how all of the assets were used how the information was processed 
throughout the course of the incident, uh, actions that were taken as a result of that information having been processed, lessons learned, and sort of used that to, to build the internal knowledge of the, uh, the group. Again, the, uh, the benefit of the Cyberbit Cyber Range in particular uh, you know, without naming any names, the, the college did, of course, do its due diligence as we were evaluating uh, different cyber range platforms that exist. You know, and with my own experience, having been a certification trainer and particularly having trained uh, a lot of the cybersecurity certifications that exist, you know, my observation in particular and, and certainly our findings uh, as we looked at different cyber range platforms, there are plenty of platforms out there uh, that are fundamentally uh, virtualized sandboxes, wherein you'll have a specific set of assets, a specific set of tools, and then you'll have some instructions on how to carry out an activity. In a lot of cases, those are very much uh, on rails, as we tend to call it, where it's a very heavily guided activity. They're, they're very tight parameters as to what the student should do and should not do. Uh, any deviation from the parameters usually causes the exercise to fail. Um, and even if you do follow all the instructions to a T, you'll get to see a usually not very realistic example of some concept. So for example, you want to see a website defacement using a particular hacking tool, you'll encounter a scenario where, okay, you have a virtual environment with one server in it, one client, no other, you know, nodes on the network, uh, no traffic other than just the client and the server. The tool executes, the defacement occurs, the student sees that the defacement occurred. I mean, that's not terribly realistic. And sort of another underlying theme that tends to be the case, particularly among the certification courses, a lot of it tends to focus on red team activities, sort of the offensive uh, aspects of uh, the, the security realm. The idea being, you know, if you learn how a hacker does what they do, then you should automatically understand how to defend against that. Well, that's not really true. Um, knowing how the attacker accomplishes their attack is one thing. And it's a valuable skill set for those who are exclusively going to do penetration testing or for somebody who intends to go and work at one of the usually very, very large organizations that can afford to have an in-house red team all the time. Um, but again, that's a very, very tiny niche that you would uh, paint yourself into. The more valuable skill set, which is usually the more difficult thing to develop, is the blue team skill set, the defense skill set. So while it's interesting and of some value to know how to attack, it's usually of more immediate value and certainly of a greater concern to the cybersecurity leadership, the information technology leadership of an organization to have staff that know how to defend against those attacks. And again, that's the benefit of what we found in the Cyberbit platform where you have flexibility even within the scenarios that exist. You can make them less complex. You can make them more complex. You have some variability in terms of uh, what the students who are going through the scenario will see. And you'll have a greater degree of fine-tuning that you can apply based on the skill level of the student and the nature of the group that's going through the scenario. One of the other points uh, that was brought up to us by a lot of the uh, industry partners that we uh, met with throughout this process was the lack of the soft skills present in a lot of their more technically skilled personnel. You know, it's a bit of a sort of cliche, but uh, there is a grain of truth that that's built around. Very often, people who have a very high level of uh, technical skill, particularly in the realm of cybersecurity, uh, may not have 
uh, by nature, a lot of the other soft skills, the communication skills, the writing skills, uh, to be able to convey what they know in an effective fashion to other parts of an organization. So that's certainly something that we uh, want to build into our curriculum as well. So the fact that a person who is in a cybersecurity team should have the ability, ideally, to communicate what they're doing at any given point throughout an incident response uh, workflow or after an incident has been uh, addressed and your after action report needs to be compiled, that's a skill set that anyone in the IT security field should have some capacity to engage in. Again, we want to achieve the ability for the graduates of our program to be well-rounded technology professionals. So yes, they should have some very uh, extensive skills when it comes to cybersecurity to understanding the nature of the systems that are impacted, how to use the tools that will help to detect and defend against uh, incidents and attacks. But we also want them to have other skills that make them attractive in terms of communicating with departments outside of IT, uh, being able to bring value on a broader scope to whatever organization they would go and work for. So here we have an example of the curriculum that we're working towards. So we do not currently have the curriculum available yet for anyone to enroll in. We're still developing that. It is going to roughly uh, coincide with our existing uh, IT track programs. Uh, so for the bachelor's program that we are developing, uh, something between 80 and 70% of the program is probably going to mirror what we are already doing for, uh, for our IT and networking uh, degree tracks. A lot of the core competencies and core uh, credits that a student must earn would be the same. Uh, really, once we get into the third and fourth years of the program, the, the last uh, five to six semesters, or actually four to uh, three to four semesters, rather, uh, that's where we start to introduce uh, the security-focused courses in particular. So as you can see here, years one and two would be general credits that a student would have to gain. Uh, going into year two to four, you begin to introduce some of the IT-specific uh, course content, or IT-intensive, perhaps is a better term. And certainly in years three and four out of the four-year program is where you would start to introduce the security-specific courses. Uh, another element that we're trying to incorporate as we're developing the curriculum is to try to dovetail the sort of traditional academic, uh, you know, courseware with some vendor-specific uh, or certification-specific, at least, uh, content. Uh, there's some certifications that lend themselves better to that than others. Uh, some examples of things that, that we're looking at recently, uh, certification from Checkpoint, because that happens to be the firewall that we're using in, in our current iteration of the cyber range. Uh, Cisco, which offers obviously an array of uh, certifications that are kind of more broadly based on networking in general. Uh, you know, they do tend to tie it to their particular router and switch operating systems. But especially when you look at the, the early level certifications, the uh, uh, CCNA, uh, for example, those tend to lean heavily on uh, the the person's knowledge of networking in general, knowledge of general networking protocols and things like that. Uh, so that's sort of a, a broad skill set that is of value from uh, a lot of the, the partners we've spoken to. There are obviously uh, some other certifications that are security specific and a bit higher level. Uh, we're still currently evaluating which of those would be a good fit in the context of the rest of the program that we're building out as well. One of the questions that we've encountered as we've 
sort of uh, gone through the development of this curriculum, that question of should we replicate the exact security product brands that each customer has in their sock? Um, this, this sort of arose out of an interesting uh, early stage discussion uh, when we were first evaluating uh, the CyberBit Cyber Range um, and had some other of the industry partners, the local industry partners, who attended some of those early demos. Uh, those industry partners are sort of looking at the cyber range from the perspective of them buying it for themselves, for their for their own internal use. And so in their case, they thought, well, yeah, this will only be of value to me if the cyber range network environment looks exactly like mine. The, the subnets should be the same. The, the brand of firewall and SIM and all this should be exactly the same as what I'm currently using so that it can serve as a specific training platform for my personnel in my environment. Of course, by Miami-Dade College hosting the cyber range, we want to make it an attractive platform for any organization. So while some of the uh, local partners we spoke to were asking questions along the lines of, well, can you create a customized instance within the cyber range that'll mirror my environment? And then that's the, the environment that you'll use when I send my personnel to you. And we're, of course, still evaluating the, the prospect of that. You know, there, there is sort of a professional training uh, element to uh, the use of the cyber range within the, the, the college environment uh, that we're exploring. You know, it would be sort of outside the scope of the academic uh, curriculum. It would be more like a continuing education type of prospect. And, and again, we're, we're looking into how we could deliver that customization in a feasible way with uh, different industry partners. But the sort of counterpoint that we offer during those discussions is, of course, uh, you know, we'll, we'll ask, and these are usually, again, the CISOs or the CIOs who wear the security hat as well uh, for these organizations. We'll ask them, well, is your environment static? You know, do you find that across the course of, let's say, the last five or 10 years that you have not transitioned uh, in terms of the tools that you use? You know, have you exclusively used one particular brand of firewall ever since your network began? Or have you switched from one vendor to another? Perhaps more importantly, do you want to be stuck with one particular brand of firewall for the rest of the life of your network? Or do you think it's reasonable that you might change at some point? We ask that question, of course, because it introduces the idea that a person who is a true IT security professional will not have their skills bound to a particular brand or vendor. They'll be able to work a firewall independently of which vendor that firewall may be from. Yes, there may be a learning curve in terms of learning this particular user interface for one brand versus another, but that's a small hurdle to overcome versus a person who just does not understand the fundamental principles of a firewall to begin with, in which case you can give them as much vendor-specific training as you like, their skill set's never really going to be valuable outside of the little sandbox that you train them in. So we definitely want for the skill set to be as broad as possible, as generalized as possible, so that a graduate of our program can take that skill set and go to any prospective employer and say, here's a scenario where I worked a firewall. The firewall has rules in it. At the very basic, I dictate this IP address to that IP address, this protocol, this port number. Whatever other firewall product you give me, at the very least, that's one of the basic components it's going to engage in. There may be other bells and whistles, and there's vendor training specific to that purpose, but they're going to be able to demonstrate that they have the fundamental knowledge to be able to execute and perform as an effective security professional on a firewall or on a SIM or on a network monitoring tool. 
all of these are the fundamental elements that we want to know that our graduates will have as they come out of our program. So for the use cases, and these are basically from conversations we've had with our uh, industry partners, uh, you know, we kind of asked them, well, based on what the cyber range is, how it works, and we usually at that point have already shown them an element of uh, how the cyber range operates, um, you know, we sort of picked their brains to say, well, wh what do you think you would make use of this for? Like just based on the cyber range itself, without even necessarily considering the specific courses that somebody might take and so on. Uh, we've gotten some very interesting suggestions. So one of the ones that uh, many people have actually asked about and that I'm actually going to engage in next week. Uh, so we're, we're sort of uh, eating our own dog food here uh, at the college. We are doing our annual uh, cyber virtual tabletop exercise from the cyber range. Um, and that's actually one of the, the contexts that a lot of the industry partners have asked about. So they would like to make use of the cyber range as part of their uh, tabletop exercises that they engage in. And of course, you can imagine that the value that that brings to the table is rather than sitting around the table and just sort of leafing through some papers, you know, some pages that say, okay, this incident occurs, what do you do? And just kind of mentally imagining all of the things that are happening, you can complement those written tabletop exercises with an actual scenario that you can engage in in the cyber range with the systems that are in it. So if you want to go through a scenario, for example, where your system starts getting hit by ransomware, you can talk through what your incident response procedures are and, you know, which department gets contacted when and, and who talks to the press or not and so on and so forth. You can then supplement that with the specific members of your IT team or your network team or your cybersecurity team if you have one, working the firewall, working the SIM, working the network monitoring platform to actually carry out some of these activities. There's a particular level of interest in being able to include non-IT departments in that part of the exercise so that they can gain a sort of direct and visual and auditory understanding of what's actually happening when a cyber incident occurs. Because very often, you know, offices do not keep their IT staff in the same physical space as the rest of their staff. So that's a sort of an interesting opportunity for somebody who handles your public relations or somebody who handles communications on behalf of the organization to actually see what it's like when the IT team gets hit with ransomware. Who's looking at which system? Who's the person that's going to have the most accurate information about what is or is not happening? So that's a very uh, interesting thing that a lot of people have been asking us about. We're going to do our first run of it to see how that goes and then uh, potentially shop that around to some of our other partners as well as a way that they can make use of, of the facility. Again, completely outside the scope of uh, a traditional class offering. Uh, of course, annual training, that's, uh, that's another one. We have a lot of the industry partners we've talked to who are in finance, who are in healthcare, where they have regulatory requirements to engage in training. Uh, so they would like to make use of the uh, cyber range for that purpose. And it could be anything from really intensive technical training for their technical staff to a scenario where they might bring in less technical staff, their executive staff, for example, their C-suite. They would like to bring them in and then sort of have them observe a handful of the technical team as they deal with a cyber incident and then have the C-suite present so that they can sort of chime in and, and encounter what that scenario would look like. Very similar to the idea of a tabletop exercise, but you bring the C-suite in so that they can see what goes on, have a, a better understanding of what's actually happening under the hood when they hear from perhaps their CIO or just a director that 
there's an incident occurring, but they don't really see anything else that happens behind the scenes. It's a way of giving them a peek into it without actually having them disrupt an actual incident or having to wait for one to occur. Uh, and then, of course, remote training for smaller teams. That's one of the benefits of the connectivity aspects of the CyberBit Cyber Range. The fact that you do not need to require the student to come physically to where your Cyber Range is located and participate in the training in that way. You can actually provision uh, remote connectivity so people can connect from wherever they may be. One of the most common elements that we've heard from a lot of the industry partners is that they would love to send their uh, security team to this training, but the nature of the security team, as few as they are and as critical as they are to the organization's operations, they cannot afford to have them all out of the office at once ever. And even when they can afford to have one member of the team out of the office, it's usually not for a very long stretch of time. So the ability to deliver the training remotely means they can take the training right from their office. They don't have to leave the actual space. If something happens and they need to jump out of the training to go put out a fire, they have that flexibility. So these are all just examples of the benefits and value of the CyberBit CyberRange platform. Thank you very, very much, uh, Frank. I actually learned a lot myself <laughs> during the, the session. I am uh, opening it up again for Q&A. We do have already a few questions. One question, uh, Frank, a question to you. Does Miami-Dade College have students begin working with the CyberRange at the freshman level? or at a later stage in their academic degree? I believe you answered part of that, but do you want to elaborate? Yeah, I mean, again, as we're still building the curriculum, we haven't finalized it yet. Uh, that has been one of the questions, and certainly there is a, a, an engagement element to that, right? So the idea that, uh, yes, you can take a freshman into a program uh, that is called you know, the cybersecurity program, and rather than, as happens in a lot of the other existing programs you might find, where... Yes, it's the cybersecurity program, but you won't actually touch anything cybersecurity related until maybe end of sophomore year, beginning of junior year. Uh, in this case, yeah, we have the flexibility within the CyberBit platform to, you know, provide, you know, one of the simpler scenarios, uh, you know, with, with fewer variables perhaps, and introduce that even, you know, during that first year so that they can get a taste of what the cyber range looks like, how the type of scenario works and develop a degree of familiarity, and then they kind of grow with the range, where as they go through the program, the scenarios we present to them get more complex, more challenging, and we increase the complexity. We might even have them revisit uh, one of the scenarios that they would have already done previously, but let's say the first time they saw it, we didn't have any, uh, you know, uh, any network traffic simulation, uh, you know, it was sort of very much on rails. They, they were getting guidance from the instructor. And the second time we have them look at it, maybe a few semesters later, we will turn on the network traffic simulator and we will not give them any insights from the instructor. They're just going to walk into it blind as if they were working in a sock and their network traffic is happening normally and all of a sudden something happens. They have to diagnose, they have to identify, they have to remediate and go through the whole process. Another question to you, uh, Frank. Will any of Miami's students be remote? We certainly do anticipate that we're going to have uh, remote students. Uh, the college itself actually has what we call the virtual college. So we do actually have uh, eight physical campuses, and then we also always count the ninth campus, which is the virtual college. Uh, in that regard, we have students that uh, connect from all over the world. And sometimes it's because they're uh, studying abroad uh, you know, for a semester as part of a program, either with our institution or with another because uh, we do have a lot of students that, that enroll with us and with other institutions as well. Sometimes we have students where they're active duty military and they're stationed 
overseas somewhere, but they still want to work on their degree so they can connect uh, through the virtual college and take classes that way. So it's certainly our intent to be able to deliver the the cyber range uh, scenarios and courses remotely as well. Another question to you. Uh, what is the source, uh, which actually can also be answered by CyberBit, but I will address it to you, Frank. What is the source of, of the actual scenarios? Are these customized by the staff at each cyber range, or is it a suite of scenarios to engage? So I will let you begin, Frank, and if we have more, Susan can add on top of that. Right, absolutely. And then, uh, again, yeah. the, the CyberBit team is, is going to have sort of the, 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 the deep, intimate details. But, yeah, you begin with uh, a set of scenarios that are provided by CyberBit. And then from there, you can, you know, customize in a variety of different ways, some of which that are easier than others. Uh, you know, that does actually present some flexibility in terms of who is the, the kind of the person running the scenario. You know, that's one of the things that we've actually discussed for, for our program. You know, do you need to have a full-blown, fully versed, fully knowledgeable instructor, a teacher in the class running the scenario? Or can you have just a proctor where, you know, they have an instruction sheet that says, okay, click here, do this, start this at this point, and they can't really explain anything deeper, but it's a lot easier to find the person that has less skills to just proctor the cyber range scenario versus the availability of, you know, your, your fully aware, fully knowledgeable instructor that can explain things and stuff. So the fact that you have these scenarios that are pre-configured is there's a convenience element to it, certainly. And then for those cases where you want to customize, you can certainly do that as well. Thank you very much. I will uh, just conclude the, this uh, webinar by, first of all, again, thanking deeply uh, our two hosts, Frank, Susan, thank you very, very much. Uh, I would like to invite uh, the attendees that are visiting EduCause to visit the CyberBit booth, booth number 143 at EduCause next week. I will be there uh, myself with Susan. I also invite you to uh, the NICE conference, NICE conference in Miami, cyber education in November uh, 6th. We will be there as well. And finally, if any of you is interested uh, in a demo uh, or a follow-up and to learn a bit more about uh, the program, the, uh, the product, the cyber range, and see a live demo, a personal demo, or anything else, you can reply uh, to me. You will get an email uh, from me within 24 hours of this webinar with a recording uh, of, of the webinar, which you can uh, freely view and share with your colleagues. Some of you asked for the presentation, so uh, we typically do not share it, but if anybody has a specific need for the deck, again, reply to me uh, specifically and we'll evaluate that uh, on a case-by-case -case basis and share if possible. Once again, thank you very, very much for joining this webinar. Uh, once again, thank you and have a lovely uh, rest of your day. Bye-bye.